Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... Go talk to your customer. I, I talk to so many entrepreneurs where they're like, not in the knockout, I can't talk to my customer until after my product is done. And you've already spent a lot of money if you're waiting for that. And so read up on design thinking and lean innovation and lean entrepreneur. There's tons of resources out there now. Design thinking, um, there's tons of resources out there to teach you how you can engage with customers in a way to learn first. You're not pitching, you're learning. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 250 of Impact Boom. My name's Indio Miles, and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today, we're speaking with Brant Cooper. Brant is the New York Times best-selling author of The Lean Entrepreneur and CEO of Moves the Needle. With over two decades of expertise helping companies bring innovative products to market, he blends agile design thinking and lean methodologies to ignite entrepreneurial action within large organizations. Brant has a unique take on disrupting our current way of thinking in order to be closer to customers, move faster and act bolder. He has experienced monumental milestones such as IPO, acquisition, rapid growth, and crushing failure. He serves as a global keynote speaker, a mentor to entrepreneurs, and trusted advisor to corporate executives. His mission is to teach leaders how to find personal and economic growth through creating new value for fellow humans. On today's podcast, we will discuss the adoption of creative practices to develop innovative value offerings, key mistakes made by entrepreneurs attempting to further their impact, and the difference between old and new business methodologies. Brant, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be speaking to you. Thanks for having me, Indio. Excited to be here. Yeah, <laughs> That's great to hear. We're very excited to have you on. So to start off, Brant, could you please share a bit about your background and what led you to your passion in entrepreneurship? Yeah, well, it's always like, how far back? Uh, no, I, uh, <laughs> I lived through the dot-com boom and bust up in Silicon Valley, late 90s, early 2000s. That's really where I, you know, I got my first taste of startups. And people ask me why I went off on my own and why did I go start my own business? And typically, it's, I say it's because I was a bad employee. And, 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 and basically, that means that I just wanted to do things my way. Mm. And it's sort of the old school command style of lead that dominated the 20s sort of had it that you had to do what your boss said instead of doing it way. So, you know, the way for that is to go out on your own. So that's, that's what I eventually did. And, and, and that started me down that path, fortunate enough to write a couple of books, mm. place it the right. And now, you know, get to share that knowledge of, of how to actually go do your own thing and figure it out. 
That's a very expansive journey there, Brent. And over that kind of period of time, you would have seen a lot of different approaches to business. You were just talking about that older approach to business there and when you're an employee becoming an entrepreneur. So I'd just like to ask you, what key differences have you observed between the older approach to business as opposed to the contemporary businesses we are seeing today? The very structure of businesses management style, uh, and this is actually in education and government and nonprofits as well as businesses, but it's based upon an extension of the assembly line. So it's based upon the industrial age. And so you imagine like Henry Ford's assembly line and he's got the car moving along the conveyor belt and the workers stand in their cells and then they do something very specific. They're putting the tire on and that's all they do is put tires on and then the car keeps moving it doesn't ever stop and it goes on to the next cell so the rest of the business is actually organized that way too it's just divided into different parts like marketing and sales and operation and supply chain and whatever it takes to get the product from ideation out to the customer all belong to these cells the extension of the assembly line And so that's really the structure of business was formed around that. And business management really was around optimizing the execution of each one of those cells. And so the way we measured people's work was, hey, you you do this specific task and you do that as many times as you can within this Mm. time frame. And that's that's what's going to get you your bonus or whatever. And so we're managing the execution of known quantities inside of that sort of structure. But if you fast forward to today and, you know, we're all running around with computers in our pockets, we're not in the industrial age anymore. We're in the digital age. And it means decision-making processes are fundamentally different because of the power of information and knowledge that we have at our fingertips and the speed of all communications and the fact that software is in absolutely everything means that the world is really, it's moving fast. And that old command and control assembly line style of business just doesn't work anymore. The way those companies are organized, they're not close to their customers. Most of them aren't. You know, if you're a a salesperson or a customer support are the only ones that are allowed to talk to customers. And in order to make any changes or to product or to process or to how you market and sell, you have to navigate up and down this hierarchy and across all of these silos in order to get anything done and it's too slow. You've lost the deal. If you have to take all the time to navigate the the whole organization to get anything changed. And so fundamentally the shift that we're seeing is that the power of decision-making is being pushed to the edge. In other words, teams that are on the ground that interact with customers, that learn what those customers needs are and can run experiments to try to figure out if they've got the right idea to solve them, but everything out at the edge, These teams are empowered to make decisions because they're the ones that have all of the information. They're the ones that have the knowledge about what it isn't stuck inside that hierarchy some ways. A whole new organizational structure is emerging that pushes these agile teams out to the edge, gives them the accountability and the resources and the decision-making authority to go solve problems. And it turns out, really, that's what human beings love to do, and it's what they're really good at. If you give smart people the authority to solve a problem, they will solve that problem. They don't need all of the permission. And so that's the fundamental change that we're going through right now. And within a couple of decades, I really think all of government and education and business is going to be reorganized. 
Very interesting point of view there, Brand, and a very big prediction for the next few decades in business, of course. And Brand, I just wanted to talk to you a bit more as well. So you're the CEO of Moves the Needle, an enterprise, and you're utilizing practical workshops, and you're showing entrepreneurs how to elevate their own impact. So where do you see from this experience impact-driven individuals most commonly, I guess, miss the mark in generating a positive social change? They focus too much on, on the technology, to be honest. I think that people, it's something that's in their control, right? It's focus on my product and I make the product the best it can be. And that could be a service or it could be any sort of impact that you're trying to make, but you're focused on the idea side of things. And historically, that's okay because technical side of products was really where the risk was. But we're so far into the digital age again that technology is not really where the risk is. The risk is, do I have the right product or service for the particular market segment that I'm going after? Mm -hmm. And so the biggest risk is around the market, not around the product. And yet entrepreneurs, social impact folk, big corporations focus on technology and product. And what they really need to be doing is getting out and understanding their customers as deeply as possible. That's your intellectual capital. That's actually what's going to make you win. If you can score insights into your customers that nobody else has, that's your competitive advantage. Brent, that's a very good insight there. Thank you for that. So also, I'd like to talk to you about your book. So I mentioned this earlier, The Lean Entrepreneur, and you discuss the ability in this book of new age visionaries to shape their environment and succeed in the marketplace. What characteristics and traits do you believe are vital to these leaders of today, the ones that you just talked about there? the book describes how to apply those techniques that I was just talking about. And so mm. what it requires is people to be self-aware. They actually have to admit what they don't know. And so, you know, back in the day, you used to have to write a business plan in order to get funding by say investors and, and maybe even banks. And so you'd have to write this 20 or 30 page document that lists out everything that you believe to be true. And you presented that to the investor as if it were fact, when in fact, it's not fact. They're all just assumptions. And so today, got maybe a nine-slide PowerPoint that does the same thing. But the fundamental truth remains the same, that what you put in your plan is likely full of assumptions, not facts. And so that's just, it takes a certain level of self-awareness that what, maybe nobody wants the product that I have envisioned. So I'm going to go out and learn from my customers, validate that before I spend the time, money, resources, creativity, opportunity cost building something that nobody wants. And so one of the, just the fundamental aspect of uh, leaders in today's world is admit what you don't know, go into a learning or explore mode in order to figure out what you don't know, spending the least amount of time, money and resources. And that's really what the lean entrepreneur is about running experiments and, and talking to customers and, and, and moving all of those items that are in that uncertainty realm that are in the unknown I'm going to move them over to the known bucket and then I can start the execution work. But too many people want to start with the execution as if what they believe is true. But we got to learn to cut through our biases. We need to learn to test our assumptions because really, again, it's not whoever's moving fastest that wins. It's, it's whoever's moving fastest in the right direction. And mm -hmm. so we have to figure out that right direction and then we have to execute and then that's how we win. Fantastic point there, Brent. And I think that my next question is going to flow on and kind of link in exactly with what you were just talking about there. And that question is, what would be, if you had one piece of advice 
to a budding entrepreneur to succeed, what would that piece of advice be? Go talk to your customer. I, I talk to so many entrepreneurs where they're like, not in the knockout, I can't talk to my customer until after my product is done. And you've already spent a lot of money if you're waiting for that. And so read up on design thinking and lean innovation and the lean entrepreneur. There's tons of resources out there now. Design thinking, um, there's tons of resources out there to teach you how you can engage with customers in a way to learn first. You're not pitching, you're learning. Is this market segment the right one? Do they have the need or the problem that I think that they do? What is the priority that they have of that need? Are they going to be paying for it? How do I run an experiment that proves that they'd be willing to pay? So that's the work that you do up front. And people are afraid that it's going to take longer that way. But it's not. It's because it actually takes a short amount, shorter amount of time because once you've validated, then you know that you can build and move, move fast. Of course, that's here we are in the pandemic. How do I go talk to my customers? Mm. You know, on the one hand, that's tough. It's harder. You can't just go have coffee with them or whatever. But on the other hand, the positive is, is that everybody's getting used to all of these video tools. Yeah. And so go on LinkedIn, get some warm introductions to people that you think are in your customer segment, your market segment, and do a video call with them and just chat with them about their needs, their problems, their priorities, what keeps them up at night and try to validate in those ways that this is somebody that you think will be an early adopter. Who are the people in the world that are going to be standing outside your proverbial retail store, waiting in line, spending eight? Or to be the first one to get through the door to grab your product. That's who your early adopter is. And you have to go and validate it first. Mm, wow, Brent, such a succinct piece of advice. And I have to say as well, from that perspective, so many entrepreneurs say that it's about connecting to those customers. So it's a really valid point you're making there. Now, Brent, to the next question, I want to ask you, and you work with a lot of different entrepreneurs for your position and as CEO of Moves the Needle. So what inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across recently that are creating a positive social change? Yeah, I've been so focused on my own book, my mm -hmm. next book. And it really is about this transfer from the digital, from the industrial age into the digital age. Right. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of turmoil in the world. There's a lot of uncertainty. And I really think it's because of this change, right? I mean, there's so much hmm. uncertainty and so much volatility that it makes people feel anxious. And I think that we just need people to rally around the idea that change is what's hard. And we just need to be able to take the bull by the horns. We got to make it work for us. We have to ensure that we keep entrepreneurship strong and small businesses and that we focus on creating value for humans. That's what makes the business successful. If we go and try to create wealth and wealth only, then that wealth only goes to a few people. But if we focus as entrepreneurs and as business people and as social impact entrepreneurs, if we focus on creating value for humans, well, then value flows to everyone. Mm -hmm. And that includes some amount of wealth too, if you're successful. Yeah. So that's the benefit for creating value to other people is not only does it make you feel good <laughs> and not only does it make the world less dangerous and less <laughs> uncertain, you also will, you'll reap the rewards for it. So that, you know, I hate to, answer your question with my own project. 
But I tell you, it's really, it is the biggest impact that we can have is to empower people to be responsible for their own economy. And there's so much freedom in that. And so I really want to encourage people to go out and figure out how can they go create value for other humans and then how in turn that will benefit them. Definitely, Brent. There's nothing wrong with that. Very valid point there for people to go and look for their own value to create. So I was going to, to finish off now, basically, we're reaching the end of the interview here. I was going to say that as a writer, I'm assuming you've read quite a lot, you've interacted with a lot of resources. So if you were to recommend any of these books or resources to our listeners, what would they be? I've read so many books just in the last four, four or five months now that I've been mm. writing. And there's, a, there's one book in particular that I like quite a bit, which is General McChrystal's Team of Teams. And it's a really good illustration of this pushing agile teams to the edge mentality that I was talking about. Not surprisingly, it's the U.S. military that sort of runs into the new world before anybody else does because they're just mm. out there on the cutting edge. And Team of Teams is McChrystal's story of the U.S. going into Iraq. And the long and short of it is that using conventional warfare, they were able to go and dispose Saddam Hussein pretty easily. But then they got bogged down in this slog against the insurgents and al-Qaeda in Iraq. And it was because the enemy basically was like the new digital networked world, right? They weren't fighting a conventional battle. And so the old school command and control running into the new school ad hoc, you know, networked based force, that's really why the U.S. struggled. And McChrystal basically reinvented how the U.S. was conducting their operations. And they went to what I would describe as being this agile structure. And that's when they were able to turn the tides. So I always find it interesting. You can find these parallels that are happening in different areas of the world or different areas of society, but that the response is really similar. And business now faces this same sort of issue. They're using the old school and control hierarchy management style in a world that's networked ad hoc and moving too fast for that old structure. Wow. That's so that's General McChrystal's team of teams. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Brent. That's a great recommendation there for the book and any of the enterprises that you mentioned and the book you mentioned just there, those will be at the end of the article for the listeners to check out once they've finished the podcast. So thank you very much for that recommendation. So that brings us to the end of the interview, Brent. Thank you so much for sharing your generous insights and overall just your time to come and speak to me today about some of these great things that you're doing and some of the great things that you're seeing happening. So thank you once again. It's our pleasure to have been speaking to you and all the best in the future. Thanks so much for having me. You know, I encourage people to reach out. They can find me on brantcooper.com or Brant Cooper on all the social media. And so, yeah, I hope, I hope to hear from people. I, I respond to everything. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for being here with us. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below. And remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.